2: I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much
0: out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct.
3: What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker and Podcast. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And the Lakers split a pair of games this weekend to get back to 22 and 22. On Friday night, they came out of the gates hot. It was a really good first quarter, which has been kind of the opposite of what a lot of this season has been. And then starting in the second quarter one of the most god-awful performances that you could see like just across the board and I also thought Brooklyn has one of the only things that they have on their team are scoring guards that can hit pull-up jumpers which is I think one of our biggest defensive weaknesses and so I think it was a combination of just a trash effort and then a legitimate weakness of the Lakers roster but an awful night then on Sunday For the first time this season, here's a wild stat. The first time this season, neither Torian Prince nor Cam Reddish started the game. The Lakers started with Austin, D'Lo, Rui, LeBron, and AD. This was the lineup that I was hoping to see us try at the beginning of this year. And the starters played very well against a bad Portland team, get a wire-to-wire victory. Then at the end of that, there were some post-game images that we may talk about later uh, that is setting social media on fire today. But, Mike... Your view from the ground from a, a weekend of uh, a, a Lakers team that sh- kind of showed off their split personality this weekend.
1: Darius and I record the pod on Friday morning, Pete, without you. And while saying that we don't want to do it, are essentially looking forward to the Clipper game in, in a way. Like the Lakers should take care of business, right, against Brooklyn and against Portland. And the way that you just mentioned they started that game in the first quarter, yeah, it was a continuation of how they had played against OKC in Dallas. And then – Not everybody on the team, but a few players just stopped competing at all uh, defensively. And Brooklyn kind of decided, oh, we're in Los Angeles. Oh, they're not going to play. Okay, let's go. And they just started attacking and often in one on one type setting like that is not a connected team right now in Brooklyn, just like we saw. Portland is not a connected team right now for their own reasons. And so uh, big picture wise, the Lakers have won three of their last four at home, but That's not good enough relative to what they had just done the previous couple of uh, weeks, right? And it it, just—it was a—it was kind. I I was thinking about the Usual Suspects, and there's a. I think we're past the spoiler deadline uh, of this one. It was a movie in 1995, but there's a big twist in this movie, and at a certain point. Everybody figures out once you once you realize what the plot twist is, and, and then you kind of talk to your friends. Oh, I knew when I saw the coffee cup drop, uh-huh, right? It's, uh-huh. it's it's Kaiser. So but it's like, oh, the team, it has revealed itself. And, and I what I wonder, um, Darius, have the Lakers sort of revealed themselves in the very fact of just losing that game to Brooklyn on top of what we've seen up to that point? Uh, or Has there been a little bit of a corner turn with the starting lineup change and and Brooklyn is kind of the exception and you, oh, it happens sometimes. You toss it out and you think about the three wins in four games. I tend to think more that this team is is the reason that they're closer to 500 is because they can't sustain, uh, whether it's the the effort and the energy or the lineups or whatever that is. And and I think that the team is closer to that um, than to get being afforded the benefit of the doubt. Uh, But I wonder how that hit you in concert of what had happened leading up to those two games.
2: I think we are beyond spoiler range for
1: usual suspects.
2: The twist that I prefer for this version of the Lakers is more the twist that you'll find in Fight Club. And so I'm not sure, (laughs)
1: like
2: on on Sunday they were Brad Pitt and on Friday they were a little bit too much Edward Norton. Yep, yep. I was pretty frustrated after the Nets game or not even after the Nets game. Like I think I might've had a string of like 15 or 18 straight texts within our text thread, basically complaining about everything. I was particularly upset with LeBron, honestly, like I'll just say it. I thought LeBron's defensive effort against the Nets was pretty rough. And I thought that when combined with the lineups that the team was was playing and the ask on LeBron to basically play an important defensive position I just thought that that had cataclysmic effects when you combine it with where what the weaknesses are of the Lakers defense in general right and how they were being attacked with Cam Thomas and even Spencer Dinwiddie and to a certain extent even Macell Bridges based off of how much the Lakers were switching one through three
3: Lonnie Dennis Smith Jr all them guys yeah just all those guys. Right. And so the Nets game
2: revealed a certain amount to use the parlance that that Mike just was like revealed a certain amount of stuff uh, about the Lakers. And they are that team, Mike. They are the team that is susceptible to all of those those things. And I don't think you can pinpoint and say it's just year 21 LeBron or it's just the rest of the team not necessarily having enough internal motor to say like, oh, well, whatever LeBron's doing, I'm just going to do this other thing anyway. And they are also the other team that is the team that they were in the first half of the first, I would say, 18 minutes, like of the Nets game. And the team that destroyed, destroyed might be a strong word, but basically took took out Portland pretty handily. They are both of those teams. And I'm... Super interested in this idea of like, all right, well, we've seen a variety of different starting lineup looks over the year, mostly because injuries have cost the team one starter, and it's forced Darwin to sort of shift things up again. Like I remember the game that Rui hurt his calf, and Darwin sort of spoke to this will at, be the group moving. Yeah, late, yes. late December. Like, this will be the group that carries forward and literally
3: the first shift, the guy gets hurt.
2: (laughs) Yeah. yeah. But whether or not that was actually like what Darwin meant with some of his, his comments or not, that was a, that was a pretty hard turn towards like, all right, like we're going to be as big as freaking possible with this group, with this new old starting lineup. Darwin again said, this is going to be the group moving forward. And then literally like, Torian's knee starts to hurt, and it's just like, oh, nope, new group again.
1: Just to clarify, so the, the Charlotte game and at New Orleans, the end, of the end of December, the as big as possible was because LeBron was playing point guard, Torian Prince then at the two, and then it was like Vanderbilt, Rui, and AD. That was like how they started those two games, and and then so now, right, the switch was you still you have the smaller backcourt with Russell and Reeves back in and then Rui being at the three. So no Vanderbilt, Prince being injured and, you know, Reddish available, but didn't start and came in off the bench. So just, yeah, just to clarify those.
2: And so after Rui got hurt, though, Pete, they went back to Austin. So it wasn't like, oh, we're just going to play like bigger again and just insert Cam for, for example. Or instead, or Right. Like that. Yeah. 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 Like they basically went with another skill guy who could sort of handle the ball with, well, not sore, sort of, but Austin can handle the ball. But Rui is sort of that in-between guy. And going back to Rui, this game, Pete, showed the difference to me between a player like Prince, who is a connecting player, more defense-oriented, a shooter, versus Rui, who got like post-up chances against Anthony Simons because... Portland was switching a little bit, or he got caught on Rui in like, like in transition, or they're just like, you have to guard him because
3: we want to deploy That was his assignment. Deep. Jeremy Grant was guarding D'Lo in that game. And so Portland starts kind of bigger in the front court. So they've got Jeremy Grant, Deandre Ayton, and then Jabari Walker. And so if you look at their starting lineup, Malcolm Brogdon is the reigning sixth man of the year. Anthony Simons is a good player. They've got, they've got a solid group in terms of talent, right? Obviously Ayton was a number one pick. Uh, and Walker is their guy that was assigned to LeBron, right? He's the young guy who, on offense, his job is basically to spot up and cut playoff ball, but doesn't have a lot of offensive responsibility. And those guys are often asked to. Guard the best player on the other team, right? That's what their energy is, is saved for. And so, but it caught them in that cross match. And so Rui at the three ends up on Anthony Simons. And we initiated a ton of offense off that. LeBron got a great three off of a skip pass from Rui. He got a yeah. uh, goaltending and goaltended and one got another bucket on Simons. And so it's That combined force, I think, is super important. And one of the things that I'm excited about, I know I was a little angsty in the intro, but one of the things I'm excited about is that starting group has an identity as an offensive group. And then the group that comes in after that has an identity as a defensive group with Cam and Vando and AD and we saw them get a lot of deflections in those stretches we saw uh, you know some some good defense that group when it's Austin at the one was not good that was the one group that and this has been a running theme in terms of when neither Lo nor LeBron are on the floor they str- struggle on offense but i thought that there was an emergence of an identity from each the st- both the starting group and the bench group and a lot of times a, a lot of coaches d will will argue about lineups from the perspective of weak link. I call it weak link theory, meaning that mm-hmm. you're only as good as your worst. Your offense is only as good as your worst offensive player. Your defense is only as good as your worst defensive player. And Mike, when you look at that starting lineup, who's the worst offensive player amongst D'Lo, Austin, Rui, LeBron, and AD? Maybe Rui. And Rui's a really yeah, good offensive player. Right. And he's a really good offensive player who, especially if he gets caught in a mismatch, is going to be a guy that can really exploit that. And so at some point, you just run out of guys. And so let's take a break here. When we come back, let's keep it going.
2: With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. Whether your resolution is to save money, eat better, or stress less, HelloFresh is here to help you do all three, say hello, to your most delicious year yet with fresh ingredients and chef-crafted recipes at a price you'll like, delivered right to your door. Each HelloFresh box is packed with farm-fresh ingredients and everything arrives pre-portioned right to your doorstep for less hassle and less wasted food. Don't let recipe boredom strike because HelloFresh has more options than never. Dig into their biggest menu yet with over 45 dinner options to choose from weekly and even more market add-on items that suit any lifestyle. There are many things I appreciate about HelloFresh, from how it saves me time by having all the ingredients ready at my fingertips to how organized and easy to follow all of the recipes are. But most of all, I really do like the variety of offerings and all the different flavor profiles and their meal kits. Go to HelloFresh.com slash Laker Free and use the code Laker Film Room Free for free breakfast for life. One breakfast item per box while subscription is active. That's free breakfast for life at HelloFresh.com slash Laker Film Free with code Laker Film Room Free.
1: The starting lineup has been such a a measure of focus and for understandable reasons this year, because they haven't been able to quite get it right. And that's why I keep talking about it. And that's why questions keep coming. And uh, part of it is availability. But I think that the bigger part of it is just deciding upon an identity and deciding upon what is something that's going to work, because there I think all three of us could come up with three or four starting lineups that would work. Uh, and but we would we all might have a slightly different preference and I think where it comes down to the same thing that we discussed in the offseason and if you recall it the basic debate was between Rui and Vanderbilt it wasn't it wasn't between Tori and Prince or Cam Reddish and I think for good reason you know right <laughs> because they're we, paid, with because their paid for a
3: reason it. and that's the thing too is guys like Cam and Prince will get backlash from fans Prince has been fine He's, uh, he's knocking down nearly 40% of his threes. He's got defensive yeah, he utility. As well as he, can play. he makes four and a half million dollars.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So there are, there are some limitations obviously. And that's what you, you see that not every contract isn't correct. Okay. Around the NBA, but yes. there, there is some reason. And I think that on this team, most of the contracts make some pretty good sense relative to what the, the, um, what the output is for that money. And so there, there we go. If I can make an argument for Rui in the starting lineup. I can make an argument for Vanderbilt in the starting lineup. And I don't know that one is right or wrong. Um, I just think that one has to be decided upon then so that the team can establish some level of a rhythm uh, mm-hmm. and and then a rotation and so on and so forth. So, you know, in the offseason, Darius and I, I think we're pretty firmly on the side of starting with Vanderbilt. And Pete, you made a very reasonable ex- uh, point as to why you thought it could be Rui and I am perfectly happy with Rui. The only concern was essentially point of attack defense and Mm -hmm. and who is going to be the guy that takes that on. And what scheme do you use if not around it? So I kick that then to you. You you saw Rui in that group. And what did the tape reveal?
3: So you're kind of making a decision to win with offense. And you've got to be good enough defensively in a lot of ways. I am skeptical that one of the reasons I wanted to try that group at the beginning of the season and – I'm enthusiastic about this group relative to the Prince group, and we don't know if Prince may very well start that Clipper game, right? But one of the reasons I wanted to try it early on was to see if the point of attack thing was absolutely fatal against decent teams, because I could totally see it being that way, and I'm slightly less enthusiastic about it now, because I think there's a good chance, D, that it is when you're playing a good team, that you just, you do need at least one guy that can guard on the perimeter in your starting lineup, and so I wanted to see it early in, in case it didn't work. We could go back to a Vando type of group. I also think Wood could start on this team if you wanted to, I think A.D deployed on the perimeter is has been a really underutilized thing that we could do defensively over the last couple of years. But nonetheless, that third big in the starting lineup, a bigger type of player, I've been really advocating for. But on defensively, they're going to have some issues. And I'm curious your thoughts, Steve, because this is something that you were especially concerned about. I thought they were so good on offense and they've got such good potential on offense that they may be winning that first six minutes, seven minutes, like 20 to 18 type of thing where they don't play particularly good def- defense but they're really good on offense but Dilo's not going to have it the way he did dilo has been great by the way we haven't even brought him up up yet but Dilo has been fantastic over the last five was really good in in this last one but what say you D I know this is a concern of yours but like what do you see out of that group that has Rui in it instead
2: so here's the thing is yeah we should be concerned about the defense the defense isn't necessarily going to be great and the defense is not not going to be great because you're starting Rui it's because you're starting two guards who get targeted by the other team all of the damn time and so compensate all you want I I personally don't think Tori and Prince is a big enough compensation for this honestly and so I think Prince is somewhere in the middle he's probably a He's a good enough defensive player to be like, hey, we can try you on a bunch of different guys and you're gonna compete and you're gonna be professional and you're going to give us a floor on that side that we are perfectly comfortable with or maybe even happy with. And offensively, you are a connecting player because of your shooting and your ability to drive closeouts and just the fact that you have a floor on that side of the ball as well, where it's just like, hey, like that's pretty good. And it's one of the reasons why they target Tori and Prince as a free agent signing, as someone who could be a rotation player who could likely play for them in a playoff series as one of their eight or nine best guys. So this isn't to disparage Torian Prince. I'm also not going to disparage Rui Hachimura here because he's not a point of attack defensive guy where your team is gonna struggle on that side of the ball because you're starting Rui. No, let's leave the because out of there. It's like Rui is a part of this and how you compensate for him as well is important, but you're not gonna compensate for Rui by starting Delo and Austin, Mike. I just wanna make sure that we're contextualizing this correctly
1: it's an important clarification because we're certainly talking about Russell and Reeves when we talk about the, the importance of who that third player is and to an extent LeBron on a given regular season night. So the difference between LeBron against Brooklyn and LeBron against Portland and LeBron was pretty damn good against Portland for almost the whole game. Uh, on and like that, that's the kind of energy that he's brought to many games uh, this year, which in itself is incredible, uh, for this, this, you know, unprecedented run that he's on at this age. Um, I think that with the fatal flaw to me when we're talking about Prince as opposed to Vanderbilt or Hachimura is actually just the rebounding because teams are going to get teams are going to get some good shots uh, against this group teams and they're going to hit some shots. But where the group with Prince and Austin Reeves and D'Angelo Russell and then LeBron on a given night, they're just going to get so many second shots when they miss their first shot and that breaks the dam like that you that frustrates the team you can see just watch anthony davis who's doing everything in these groups and when the second offensive rebound on one possession is grabbed and the team gets an open three ad is just looking around like this doesn't work guys we have to have more size and that both vanderbilt and hachimura do that and that is not something that torian prince does uh and and it's not a fault Um, of his necessarily, part of it's about size and physique and in the way that he's played over the years and what he deems as the priorities. But I just think that I'm not trying to make it this simple, Pete, but the rebounding aspect of it to me is just, I've seen it too many times where that it it kills and deflates that group.
3: That deflating- aspect I think is really important and I think we saw that in the Brooklyn game. It didn't start out that way in terms of how things went sideways. Uh, I thought the group that started the second quarter, LeBron, D'Lo, Wood, I think Max was in that group and Vando god-awful to start the second quarter. Just the energy level was super low. Cam Thomas came in the game in the back half of the first quarter and really really lit it up. And there was just a level of disconnectedness that I think Mike's totally right about the those momentum plays where you give up that second offensive rebound and then you become in that state where it doesn't really matter what type of defense you're playing because you're not mentally paying attention enough to run it well. And so this is what I was saying the other day. Of like You can look disinterested and disorganized in a two-three zone. You can do it in a man. You can do it while going under screens, while going over them. But when a team reaches that state, that is something that precedes any schematic or even lineup type of things. And so that level of dispiritedness, I think, is really important to avoid, especially at at this point of the season. We're going to talk a little bit in the third segment about the shot of Rui throwing the LA signs and D'Lo on the bench. But the spirit of this team, D, I think is in a critical place in terms of that it's important to get on track and get some momentum fairly soon, or else it might go sideways. And so I think that being bigger, not giving up those type of plays where Anthony Davis or, or you know, where, where AD is like, fuck man. And it, I think that that's really important to be able to get the season back on track.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all
3: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
2: I also think it's important just to even get away from those individual plays and just think about like what animates players and what do they enjoy doing. Yeah. And so there's been a lot of conversation this year, mostly from the head coaches about But also from the players about like, well, we want to be great on defense, we need to be great on defense, we want to be great on defense, but then there's also these other comments that come in it from, well, we want to put as much skill and um, offense around our two captains, right, which was sort of the reasoning that was put forward around the latest lineup change. and. I'm moving more towards the opinion that there are not enough natural defensive players on this team for defense to be your identity. And that if you want to get good defense out of this team, it's likely going to need to come from the idea that they're animated on offense Mm
0: -hmm. and
2: being animated on, on offense. You can do that in a variety of different ways. And I think it's one of the reasons why Mike was saying that we could likely come up with different lineups for, for like for the group. Um, Mike had texted last night during the thread where the Lakers had struggled in those Austin as the only guard minutes. And then they put D'Lo in to close the first quarter. And then that group started to play better. And this was actually a stretch where both LeBron and AD were were off of the court. And so it's like Wood and Vando and D'Lo and I think Max and um, it must have been Cam at that point. It could have been Rui too. but. That group started to score, but they started to score because they got turnovers and Bando yes. was being super active defensively. And so there's plenty of ways to animate your offense. And some of it is going to come from those defensive groups, Pete. But I just wanted to run off a couple of quick numbers here. The starting lineup with Rui in it, and so Prince, last season, they played 10 minutes together and they had a net rating, 10 minutes together during the regular season. And they had a net rating of plus 45. In the playoffs, they played 32 minutes together, and they had a net rating of plus 47.5. This season, they have played 16 minutes together, and they have a net rating of 37.5. Their offensive rating, just so you know, in those 16 minutes this season is 162.5. So I'm just going to say this team is not going to score 162.5 points per 100 processions with this starting lineup out on the court I can pretty much speak to that with some authority but this group now over the course of a season and a half and approaching 70 minutes or so including 30 of them like in the playoffs playoffs. which are higher leverage which are higher leverage minutes they've been pretty damn good together and I might argue giving them more time together is Probably a good idea in a way to not only animate your offense, but animate your defense.
3: Yes, but have you considered Torian Prince and Cam Reddish? Let's talk about Cam for a second. He's he looked really good. He moved a lot better last night. It was, and what's funny is like yeah. he stopped being that, that uh, disruptive force on defense right when he got the groin injury. Like, duh. you know. I, and that, I'm, I'm saying that duh to myself, right? Because like, there was a good stretch of a month where I was, I was like, man, Cam is not making things happen on defense. He looked like he was, he was making things happen last night. And to that point of combined force D on the offensive end, we're talking about, you just kind of run out of guys. If you've got Cam Reddish pressuring the ball, and then Jared Vanderbilt shooting a passing lane with Anthony Davis on the back line to protect anything that gets past them. There's a combined force there on the defensive end where you got to make that pass and it's got a, a little bit more arc on it because Reddish has got active hands and he's stayed with you navigating screens. He stayed attached. And then Vando is always great at shooting that, that passing lane. But the combined force of that is where you're really in business. And so I was excited to see that.
2: Well, it's like a football team, right? Where cam is the guy who's on the defensive line, trying to get after the quarterback and force a quick throw. And if he throws it too early over the middle, then here comes Jared Vanderbilt from a linebacker position. Yep. And it's just like, Nope, I'm swooping in and knocking this ball away or, or stealing it. And if Vando gets beat, then on the back line, you've got this great safety who is playing like center field, like on the back line. And it's just like, Oh, well you're not getting past me then. And, that defensive identity of of those second groups, it can be something when all of those guys are, are healthy. And that's why, again, this isn't to disparage Prince. Like I think Prince gets, uh, I was down on Prince to start the season and it was mostly because you're telling me this guy is good on offense and he's shooting 29% from three, like, and missed basically every momentum three that the team needed. It's just like, at some point, this guy's going to have to start hitting shots. And right when I was just like, get him out of here, he's just like, hey, I'm back. I'm going to make 15 of my next 23s. And it's just like, oh, okay. Well, if you're going to shoot at a 40% clip, essentially, then this is the guy that's going to be useful. Last night, I think, or against Portland, It showed that this team, when healthy and fully revved up, they have the ability to be more than one thing, which I think is super important. And without Prince's sort of in-between game, they were just like, all right, we're going to lean all into bully ball with the starting group. And they played well. And then they're going to lean into these more defensive-oriented groups with these bench units. And those groups mostly played, played well, too. And it's just like, okay, well... That's not to say Prince doesn't fit in because he does, obviously. It's just a matter of having these multiple looks, Mike, that you can go to. I think that's the best version of the Lakers. And I think having a real identity at the beginning is important to that. And I like this bigger group to say, this is our identity. You don't have enough front court guys to guard all three of
1: of LeBron, AD, and Rui. I think we've been pretty clear all year about the preference for the bigger groups. (laughs) That's been a theme certainly on the Laker film room podcast. And that might not be what it is against the Clippers. If Torian Prince is healthy as Pete alluded to this earlier, then it might go back to that group with, you know, Austin and D'Lo and Prince and then LeBron AD. And I will say that if you go back to the OKC game and the Dallas game, it worked to an extent when that group came out and had proper, defensive energy and intensity and Austin Reeves is doing little stuff and LeBron is engaged there and they are kind of gang rebounding. And then you kind of, the offense looks pretty good and the spacing is there and you get through six minutes and then the bigs come in, you know, and then you switch the game in that way. So I'm, I do think that it's possible for that group to work. I, I think that it comes down some to matchups. Like if you're playing a certain team in a playoff series, if you're playing Denver or Minnesota, you're you're just not starting Torian Prince at the three. You can't, uh, if you're playing, OKC. You can, because they're small. Or if you're playing Dallas, mm-hmm. you can, because they're small. So that, and I honestly don't see any reason not to do that uh, as the regular season goes on. Like, hey, it's our bigger group with Rui. Now, maybe that's hard on like on Hachimura or Vanderbilt or Prince um, to be yanked around a little bit like that. And maybe you do in a regular season, like to uh, maintain a certain level of it. But I just, I, I don't want to dismiss that. They very well just may go back to uh, what it was there. And then you you're, what we just talked about is moot in some ways about what the second group is going to be. And, you know, you also can't play 10 guys, I don't think. And so then who's going to get trimmed? Is it going to be max? Is it going to be cam? Um, I don't think it's going to be Torian Prince. So that, that could switch how that looks as well.
3: I'm so glad you brought this up, Mike, because I do think that that's a viable look in certain situations, and it's it's shown to be that. I do think, though, throughout the course of an 82-game season, that most other teams start their their biggest group. We're somewhat unusual in going with a smaller group first and then going bigger in the middle parts of the game. That's the opposite of what most teams do. And so in terms of getting through an 82-game season, when you combine that with some of our the defensive weaknesses that are there, too, on the perimeter, I I think it can lead to they're either looking great on offense or they're demoralized because they can't get a rebound and AD's wrestling with three guys under the basket trying to get a rebound half the time. So I don't want to act like that's a terrible look and you can never play it or anything like that because it has been good and it's certainly gotten better throughout the course of the season. I just think that that's probably closer to a closing group, which is what usually happens. For example, the 2020 team would start JaVale, but JaVale would never close. It would always be a Kuz or a Caruso off the bench or somebody that was a little bit smaller and more skilled and more most importantly faster on uh on defense and able to to defend the perimeter and so i do think it's a viable look i just think it's at a different point of the game the you had uh brought up before the pod if we tr- uh, transition yeah. sort of the uh the vibes of the team that there's a lot of questions from the fans and a lot of theories and, and so we got the uh yeah so go ahead and set that set up set that up for us
2: no, I just think it's interesting because you're talking about vibes right now about like, oh, mystery bounds and this, this, that, and the other. But it's like the team was coming off of a really rough, rough stretch. And then they started to play a little bit better. And then they had a, a bad loss against Brooklyn, but then they had a really good win against Portland. So, you know, after wins, I like to get online. I like to see what people are saying. I like to sort of get a sense of where people's heads are about the team. And Look, maybe it's just the dumb for you tab that's on Twitter or whatever. But I was getting fed a bunch of stuff about like, why does Rui look like he's in a proof of life video or clip <laughs> right here, throwing up the L.A. hands and he looks despondent a little bit. And clips of Delo on the bench after the game, people were running these clips back where he's like rubbing his eye a little bit and he looks sort of just like just sort of. Staring out into space it looked like, like a guy
3: who scored 34 points in a blowout win
2: That's exactly right and so i was just like are the vibes bad or is this just like random like one picture or seven seconds of video framed around a particular way within commentary with the tweet on top basically saying like what's wrong with Rui?' or what's wrong with dlo does he know something that We don't. Is he getting traded like right now? Did he get traded already? It's sort of like a lot of this stuff. And I'm just like, I don't know how real any of this stuff is or isn't. I'm the furthest one away from the team out of the three people that are sharing this podcast right now. And so I just wanted to kick it back to you guys about whether or not you think that this is not necessarily a real thing, but like the sort of balance that things can hang in sometimes and whether or not we make too much of stuff like this in the first place and where your guys' heads are at around the vibe stuff to begin with.
1: Um, I, oh man. Uh, (laughs) There are always things going on with every team. Um, Some good, some bad. But the way that what you're describing, I have missed Um, and and I think intentionally so. So I I don't love, the reason I said- You're just not uh, close enough to
3: the action, Mike. You know, you know. (laughs)
1: Well, I, I did the interview with a guy who apparently now is somebody else sent me this, uh, who apparently was saying I was there like I talked to him uh, in, in, in front of him. And then I talked to him after off the record. So I think that you, you Darius have just described a major issue um, just with society in general in 2024 um, and forget yeah. sort of the sports element of it, yep. where if you want to find something. Um, you can with social media and you, there's there's going to be a freeze frame and there's going to be a quote. And there's there's certainly something. And we're all detectives apparently now and, and can dissect what's going on. And the reason why it's tough to dismiss completely is because people are complicated. And if your name does show up in a trade rumor, there are things that D'Angelo Russell has said this year that you could you could kind of parse and be like, hmm. OK, well, is he happy with this? And he's told us these things. And so has Darwin Ham. He just said oh, it last yeah. uh, two games ago. Yes, guys. Yes. Like, so to then, so I, I don't know what I'm, what I'm sort of pushing back against um, and, and how you want me to answer the question. But I think if you're asking, are, are, was there too much being made of reactions to certain guys? And in this case, D'Lo. And then um, while I was talking here, I just Googled the Rui Hachimura thing and looked at the photo. And I, that one, I am wholeheartedly willing to dismiss as being, as being uh, nothing. <laughs> um So, Maybe Pete, you should come in and clarify things some, but I'm not sure what you, yeah, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to be commenting
3: on. There's an entire economy built around covering sports, right? Like it's people's jobs. It's how companies make their money. And so if there is a, oh, d Look looks sad on the bench. There's money to be made from selling the drama. And it's also very easy to take little bits of information. And like you said, Mike, just put together the story that you want to put together on it. Again, that said, like, have the vibes been bad to a degree? Of course, we're 22 and 22. Do those in trade rumors? This is that time of year. It's actually not terribly uncommon that a team that is that this is that time of year for a lot of different teams, right? Where somebody's involved in a trade rumor and you're like, am I going to be here?
1: Like the two that the Lakers just face. Uh, yeah. And Brooke, and Brooklyn in uh, Brooklyn. But my, gu- my guess is that there aren't that many deep dives that, uh, that people are profiting from on, on the ver- various free trends of what was going on with. Yeah.
3: There aren't 100, 130,000 likes to be had because freaking Spencer Dinwiddie looks sad on the bench for the Brooklyn Nets. Well, because DeAndre Ayton... That gets 500 likes. Yes,
2: yes. We and Mike covered up. Maybe DeAndre Ayton getting trapped in his house because of the ice gets 130,000. Um, right, right, But not because he looks sad on the court
1: or is frustrated on the bench. The players playing in the games, we can sense some of that from like D'Angelo's play dropped significantly in December. Mm-hmm. And so therefore, and I think a lot of that was tied into it. And now he's playing very well. He met with Ham. The, the energy between, De, between LeBron and D'Angelo Russell has completely flipped in a positive way. Um, as yeah. we saw in the game, with the, with, the, with the with the with how they were interacting with each other, so he so he has figured something out, and that is evidenced by the basketball. Whereas DeAndre Ayton has not, you know, and that is evidenced by the basketball. That's all. And, and the stuff I, I can I can give you all kinds of stuff uh, that you don't see um, that either play that plays into one side or the other and argue it well, mm-hmm. uh, but the basketball is really what reveals, I think, how um, how things are.
2: One of the things that I would say about DLo two Pete is. I feel a very chip on his shoulder version of D'Lo right now that was noticeably missing during the time where he was slumping. And he's talked a fair amount about confidence. But the idea that he was basically telling us a little bit post-game about like, yeah, I talked to the coach. Yeah, I told him like, you can trust me to go out there and do the things that I, this is how I think I can help. These are the things that you can trust me to do. And basically, I'm going to go out on the court and show you. There was that quote that D'Lo had when he walked into the postgame after he had skipped media after the two wins and was just like, I heard y'all were looking for me. And that sort of this idea of like him making a joke a little bit, but also like like a little bit of, oh, you want to talk to me? I'll talk. And that idea of I'm going to be on the court too, and I'm going to show you that side of my game as well. It's super important for the success of this Lakers team and for Delo to play with a little bit of an edge, Pete, because when he's not the best athlete, he is not the quick twitch guy that is just going to get by you and, and dunk it. And so he needs to have a little bit more, the hot, whatever gets his engine revving yep. to a certain level, I think is super important.
3: He had a really interesting... Post game quote: I, I think he's one of the more interesting interviews we've had on the team in a few years, and he was talking about how every player in the NBA has a superpower, right? They have something that they are especially good at, and some aspect of the game that they can they can leverage their impact on the game through that. And he was talking about his ability to get hot. He was like, "Ever since I was a little kid, I could go out there and I'd hit a couple shots in a row, and then it's it's on fire." And so. Within that comment, though, he said that I've that he'd come to the realization that the best way to compliment LeBron and AD is actually to be really aggressive as opposed to deferring to them, which is a super common and difficult thing to balance. And so that realization, he's shot twenty shots four times this season. Three of them are in the last eight days, and so him kind of coming to some realizations, and I. I thought it was the wrong move to bench him in the first place. I, I you guys know, I send you lineup data all day yeah. long, every day throughout a, throughout the text thread. And he's throughout his entire time here, going back to last year, been legit one of our best plus minus guys. We, like we're better when he's on the floor, and we're a lot better when he's playing well. And so I think facilitating that as opposed to when he goes through a, str- a slump of five games, it, and obviously December was it was a longer slump, slump than that, but half of that was he was benched it didn't take very, very long for him to come off of the bench and so anyway we got to wrap up here but uh a lot of lots of things going on in laker land They're never a dull moment we got the uh clippers tomorrow we will not be recording tomorrow but we will be back on wednesday so until then you've been listening to laker film room podcast we'll catch you guys next time
2: danger's got it in low to mikhail mikhail wants to turn his double team just passed out of front broken up by worthy tips to magic worthy dies on his belly man Fires. It's, yeah, the Lakers win
3: the game. The Lakers win the game. Here comes Lottie. Three seconds left. That
1: next for the winner. It. It's on the way. Done. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds, with his eighth block shot that ties
0: an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, in Boston of all places. Are you
1: kidding me? Kobe, hard to believe. Are you no, kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Freddy pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up
3: by Bell. There's the move. Two missing. It. It. Unbelievable. Unbelievable.
0: Unbelievable. It's, it's over. over.